This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500, 500 CBS presents America Changed Forever with CBS News correspondent Jeff Pegues. All right, here we are, just days before the all-important midterm elections. Whether you are a Republican or a Democrat, These elections matter. A lot of the high-profile races in the battleground states are close. I'm talking races in Wisconsin, races in Pennsylvania, and there are other races on the ballot where every vote counts. Unless voter intimidation tactics work And we're already seeing some of those voter intimidation tactics at play. For example, in the state of Texas, Harris County and Houston city leaders have requested federal monitors to be sent to the county in response to Texas agencies saying that they will send a team to monitor the election. And it's not just in Texas. Multiple Arizona voters have filed formal complaints against armed vigilantes patrolling ballot drop boxes near Phoenix. Also in Arizona, you have some candidates, according to CBS News, who are pushing theories of voter fraud in the state already. I mean, we're still just over a week out from the midterm election and already we're seeing issues. And you know what? It could get more intense because we know that these races are getting closer. In the state of Pennsylvania, Dr. Oz and John Fetterman, the Democrat, they squared off in a debate. And then you have the debate in Florida for governor. Republican Ron DeSantis squaring off against Democrat Charlie Crist, former Republican. And so here we are in the final stretch of these heated races. So this episode 
of America Change Forever is all about the midterms. What are the issues involved? Inflation, abortion, crime. We're going to delve into those topics. Also, we're going to look at some of the key races. But first, Finn Gomez is the CBS News political director. He joins us on the program once again. Finn, thanks for being with us. Jeff, always great to be here with you. All right, let's take a a big picture look at the midterms. What is at stake here? Uh, What is at stake here is we are um, in just a short amount of time. November 8th is just around the corner. There will be a uh, a collision of ideas uh, and momentum, if you will, political momentum from these two parties who are trying to maintain power in our legislative branch, right? Branches. We have branch, excuse me. Uh, we have um, uh, what we essentially have is what's happening. A trend that we're seeing right now is there's been a little bit of a turn, a shift, if you will, from what we were seeing earlier in the cycle where um, uh, issues uh, like pocket pocketbook issues, um, kitchen table issues are now at the top of voters' minds. That includes uh, inflation, gas prices. Uh, uh, the cost of eggs at, uh, at, the, at the grocery store. Uh, these issues have uh, somewhat overtaken the momentum that we saw earlier in the cycle from uh, the Dobbs decision, the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. When that occurred, we saw this moment- momentum, this fuel from the Democratic base. Um, voters who were, uh, uh, were, became more engaged uh, on the Democratic side, and it was appealing and appealing off centrist and independent voters uh, to the Democrats. Uh, since then, um, it, now that we're so close to the election, uh, you're seeing this, this the, the polls now tighten in battleground races and battleground states. Uh, speaking to Republicans, top Republicans feel very bullish about the outcome that could, or, could occur um, on November 8th. And um, uh, Democrats still feel that they can hold off a Republican takeover of both of, of both chambers. However, you know there is we are seeing that in, that trend in certain polling, different polls that show that could happen. Now, what's at stake? What's at stake um, is that we could be seeing if Republicans take both chambers uh, that there could be a certain logjam of legislation. Uh, with President Biden at the White House and the Republicans in Congress, um, you know, s- some could see that not a lot will happen, not a lot will get done. And uh, I think, um, you know, that's that's part of the argument that Democrats are saying also uh, to voters. Uh, but um, there could also be an increase in, in you know, in, in potential impeachment hearings, impeachment uh, actions, that, you know, to target cabinet members. Uh, we've heard this from the from the right on uh, on you know, going after Mayorkas, for example, um, the Secretary Mayorkas. So uh, you're seeing that there could be this sort of political shakeup potentially, uh, even if they even if Republicans just take over the House, which a lot of projections have shown that, including our own our own throughout the cycle, that there could be a lot more uh, of this logjam, if you will. There could be a lot more of this political friction, and and um, it, it can it can look a lot different potentially, uh, you know, after the November eighth elections. All right, so the, the the Republicans 
they have to be feeling really good right now, uh, just over a week out from the midterm elections. Uh, what do they do in this final upcoming week? Well, they're 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 the Republican. I, I, I met with some top Republican sources um, within the party and their closing message now that it's so close to the election. Um, we've seen some of it again. It's like these kitchen table issues. Uh, focusing on the economy, on inflation, on gas prices, issues that impact a lot of people and a lot of voters, a lot of independent voters as well, soft partisans, if you will. Um, but they're also, what are their tactics that's been getting a lot of usage? And you see this in uniform and almost lockstep by the Republican Party and Republican candidates in competitive races uh, are attacks on crime. You're seeing that in Pennsylvania, where John Fetterman, who's a Democratic senatorial candidate, Who's, uh, who's in a tight race with Republican Mehmet Oz, Dr. Oz, um, you're seeing him just get this barrage of attacks on him being, quote, soft on crime, uh, end quote, these, these, these very aggressive attack ads from Republicans and their allies. And what's happening, Jeff, is it's having an impact. You're seeing it. You're seeing these polls tightening up. So um, that closing message is, is going to be central to them. Uh, one Republican told me that, you know, after the midterms are over, I think looking back, uh, they believe the crime will be the issue to close the argument for them and help them gain seats. And this is per the Republicans. Uh, you know, again, Democrats still feel that they are they can they can hold off um, these these gains by focusing on uh, uh, on Republicans uh, support of a potential uh uh, national abortion ban at the federal level um, and, and other aspects that are more controversial, more, more legislative proposals that are more controversial. Um, and, but of course, you know, that could be more attainable for Republicans if they become if they come into power. I wonder if the danger for Democrats is that they sort of sound like a, a one trick pony. It's it's about abortion for them. What other topics uh, are these Democratic candidates running on? I mean, you know, it, they have been focused. They saw that momentum, and there was this burst of momentum in the mid mid uh, mid part of the of, of the midterm cycle, right? And like right when when Roe v. Wade was overturned, you saw that. You saw the there was this Kansas win uh, where they knocked down this this uh, proposal to change the Constitution, essentially, um, uh, because of this momentum they. Came, they, they got from um, from the abortion rights debate, and you saw young people, women voters, independent voters, more engaged, and, and, and it has you know some political experts and analysts that I've spoken to tend to agree that it, it may have plateaued. Uh, it may have that 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 momentum has maybe stabilized, but Democrats believe it's still enough in some of these key battleground states. They also believe that they can you know they can appeal to voters. By pointing to that and just saying it's going to get worse, this is just an indicator of what's to come if you put them in power, including more, you know, more infringement on on, on and taking away rights of uh, when it comes to LGBTQ issues, when it comes to um, when it becomes to overall reproductive rights, when it becomes you know when certain aspects that used to be on um, on the fringe become more in the center and more. Uh, palatable to um, perhaps legislative you know, achievements by the Republicans if they gain control of, of Congress. So that's part of their message. 
you know, I think also they believe that, you know, in some cases, um, it, it's sort of localizing uh, the the races to issues that are maybe not as um, that are that are specific to a certain state or battleground district. But Jeff, frankly, uh, in in a in my long period of covering these races, when you have one overall theme, one overall issue that uh, that 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 affects so many such a large swath of the population like inflation like gas prices you know it does have an impact tip o'neill the very famous democratic uh former democratic um uh speaker of the house once famously said back in the 80s that it's you know all politics are local but what we're seeing right now is that all politics are national because it's such a large issue impacting people from across the political spectrum it's hard to run against that and if you're in power, uh, you get hit for that because, you know, it's under the guise of your responsibility. If that, may, that may not be true or not in some cases. But, you know, like crime is another issue that that is something that has had an impact um, against Democratic uh, lawmakers, uh, especially those who are who are, you know, like governors or senators who are in incumbents, because the challengers can say, look, it's their fault, even if that's not the case or not. But that's it's a it's an easy way to target your opponent, especially again if they're the incumbent, and it's and it's been effective so far. Um, even in Georgia, for example, Jeff, um, the Democrat in the gubernatorial race, Stacey Abrams, who has been trailing um, Brian Kemp, the Republican governor there, uh, she has been using she sort of turned the tables and pointing to him and saying, you know, crime. This is your this is on this is on you. This is your responsibility crime and gun violence. And it's, you know, she sort of turned the tables. Isn't enough? We'll see. So far, the polls have shown that, as I mentioned, that she still she still trails the Republican. Yeah, that's one of those races that a lot of people across the country, both Republican and Democrat, will be watching. Finn Gomez, political director for CBS News. Thanks for your time. Thanks a lot, Jeff. Appreciate the time. We're going to talk about some of the issues turning the tide in these midterm elections. Inflation and crime. How bad is inflation? I'm sure many of you can answer that question. You're feeling it when you go to the grocery store. Another issue we're going to look at is crime. How bad is it where you live? And and is this the kind of issue that is leading voters to change their opinions of the candidates? With just about a week to go before the midterms, Jonathan Weissman with the New York Times political correspondent joins us now from Chicago, the windy city, the heart of it all. It depends if you're talking politics. <laughs> it's not the heart of it if you're talking politics. Let's start with this question. Where is the heart of it if you're talking politics right now as we get closer to the midterm elections? I mean, if I had to say that uh, where, where the biggest battlegrounds are, I would say Wisconsin, uh, where there is an extremely tight Senate race and a crucial governor's race, Arizona and Nevada. Those uh, are really the make or break states for both parties. All right. You hear an awful lot of talk right now in these final days of campaigning about crime and how that is driving the poll numbers. 
what is the problem with crime in these neighborhoods? Is it that people don't feel safe? I think that if you look at crime rates over the past three years, if you go back uh, three years, uh, you do see a surge in in crime and in violent crime, in murders. Um, and uh, some experts and some Democrats would point to a small uh, downturn in the statistics uh, for 2021 um, and going into 2022, but that is from a considerably higher level than before the pandemic. And the fact is that people are scared. People are worried about what they see and not necessarily where they live. Many suburbanites actually do not uh, see any kind of rise in violent crime. In fact, many suburbs, uh, especially around Milwaukee, have seen declines in property crime and violent crime. But they see what's happening in Milwaukee. Uh, they see what's happening in Chicago, and they worry uh, that they are next. Um, I think that it's very difficult for a politician to talk somebody out of the anxiety that he or she might be feeling. And that anxiety is real. Aren't these elections, though, aren't they typically about the economy? Remember that old saying, it's the economy, stupid? Absolutely. And it still is the number one issue. I think that if you look at um, if you look at the campaigns, what you see is that you, you have Republicans harping most on the economy and inflation um, Democrats talking about abortion a lot, uh, and Republicans probably feel like they need a social issue to to fall back on, and that social issue right now is is crime, um, and that's in part because Democrats have made uh, Republican extremism um, and Donald Trump uh, a central feature in their campaigns. And I think to counter that piece, uh, Republicans use crime as a way to say, hey, <laughs> extremism in this case is no vice. Have have the Democrats, I mean, it, it seems to me we're hearing a lot of infighting right now from Democrats over the reality, which is that the poll numbers in all these races are not heading in the Dems direction. Their focus, as you noted, was on or has been on abortion, social issues, really. Was that a mistake? I don't think it was a mistake. Um, the When the Dobbs decision uh, to overturn Roe versus Wade came out in July, it was this enormous shock to the system. And for a time, it really did look like Democrats could defy history by really hammering home um, that rights uh, that had been taken for granted for 50 years were being taken away. That also came at the same time that Donald Trump was very much in the news. The January 6th committee was putting uh, his actions um, and what happened on January 6th, 2021, uh, front and center, and the FBI was raiding uh, Trump's house in Mar-a-Lago and finding uh, enormous uh, caches of, uh, of, of documents that should not have been there, top secret documents. 
obviously, with these things front and center, the Democrats had every right to, under, to, to emphasize them, and it was having an impact. But what we've seen is that Americans have short memories. Um, the thing that is always front and center in their mind uh, is the economy. And when you haven't seen when you haven't seen inflation for uh, 40 years and you're suddenly confronting this, it's such a jolt. And you know inflation has uh, a destabilizing impact in ways that other uh, economic, problems don't. Um, if you know if unemployment goes from three percent to six percent, well three percentage points of Americans have uh, lost their jobs. But if um, if inflation jumps from two percent to eight percent, every single American feels that. And looking forward, they don't know when it's going to come back. Uh, so it's an unavoidable issue and a scary one um, for Americans who worry about the future. All right, let's let's zoom in and talk about some of these individual races. The Senate race in Wisconsin. Tell us about those two candidates. Who's leading at this moment? Well, through much of the summer, it really looked like uh, the incumbent Republican Ron Johnson was in real trouble um, with this young. Uh, progressive lieutenant governor named Mandela Barnes. Um, but what we've seen is a an avalanche of negative advertising uh, against Mandela Barnes, in large part funded by these billionaires uh, who happen to live in Wisconsin, um, Richard Uline of the Uline Packaging Fortune and another woman named Diana Hendricks. Um, and those ads have really hit Mandela Barnes hard on on crime. Um, they're the ones that really have made him sound like a scary black threat. Uh, and it's had a big impact. It's not that Ron Johnson is particularly popular. I think a lot of Wisconsinans, Wisconsinites still see him as a little kooky. I mean, he was pushing a lot of conspiracy theories about the coronavirus and the coronavirus vaccines. And um, he was very much involved in efforts to overturn the election results after the 2020 election. Um, but the attacks on Barnes uh, have turned the tide somewhat. Now, I think that race is extremely close. And Wisconsin is so used to elections that uh, are decided by 10,000, 20,000 votes that I would not want to say who's going to win or lose. Um, but I would definitely say that nobody's running away with this. And the momentum that Mandela Barnes had in the summer is now pretty much gone. I don't I don't know what it is about politics, but just as an observer, what I see when when there is a black candidate involved, no matter who that black candidate is, and you you talked about this, if it is a black candidate, you'll often hear in the ads critical of that candidate that the candidate is radical out of the mainstream. Yes, or scary. I mean, in fact, there's an ad against Mandela Barnes that literally calls him scary and different. Um, I don't think you would see 
those words attached to a white man, except maybe, maybe in Pennsylvania, John Fetterman, because John Fetterman also has tattoos and a you know, bald head, a big hulking body. Maybe they would call him different and scary. Um, but uh, I mean, if you ever meet Mandela Barnes, he is actually not that person at all. Um, and uh, he's the lieutenant governor, it's it, it is somewhat jarring to see the way they are describing him. All right. What about let's talk about that race in Pennsylvania. John Fetterman, there there was a lot of talk about his health. He had a stroke. He is recovering. But his opponent, Dr. Oz, is focusing on whether Fetterman is up to the job because he suffered a stroke. That's right. Um, uh, Oz has been hitting him on that. But I I will say that, like in Wisconsin, uh, the independent uh, organ, the super PACs, what's called the independent expenditures, have really been hitting Fetterman as weak on crime. Um, They've also tried to tag him with uh, that anxiety around violent crime. Now, Fetterman served on the parole board. He's the lieutenant governor of uh, Pennsylvania. He served on the parole board, and they've been linking him to uh, releasing people from prison. Now, it's it's interesting how, you know, during the early Trump years in the, in the White House, Trump had tried to make uh, criminal justice reform, um, his outreach to uh, black Americans. Uh, and, you know, they did pass a fairly significant criminal justice reform bill. Well, I mean, you don't see that going on in Pennsylvania right now. In fact, there were two uh, people accused of a murder, then released from prison after it was shown that they were not, uh, they were not in fact guilty of that murder. They then went to work for John Fetterman's campaign. It was kind of an altruistic thing. And now, uh, Fetterman is being slammed for employing two people accused of murder who actually did time for a murder, although that murder they did not commit. Um, this is another case where it looked like Fetterman would win that race easily. It is tightened significantly. Now, a lot of that is the fact that Dr. Oz, um, among the most hardcore Republicans, the biggest Trump supporters, he never really had uh, a lot of trust. They thought of him as kind of an out-of-state, effete, uh, kind of intellectual like Hollywood type. They didn't like him. Um, and now, as the election comes closer, the Republicans are coming home to roost. They're, they're actually rallying around their guy. And so we're seeing a, a tightening there. I have to think that Fetterman still is the, is the favorite there, especially since the Republican running for governor, uh, Doug Mastriano, still has never gotten his footing. He, is, uh, he was actually at the January 6th riot. Um, he, he, he actually chartered buses to bring people to, to the Capitol that day. Um, he is an adamantly, ardently uh, anti-abortion candidate. And because um, even though that race is tightening somewhat, even, even with that tightening, Josh Shapiro, the Democrat, looks like he's going to win fairly, fairly comfortably. And that's, that also gives some advantage to uh, John Fetterman down the ticket. Um, but Pennsylvania is obviously one to watch. Generally speaking, what are you expecting on November 8th? 
You know, I don't think that anybody has repealed the law of gravity. And when uh, a, pre- a president uh, of a party is not particularly par- popular, um, the economy is faltering, uh, and um, the president's party controls the House and the Senate, uh, you would generally think that uh, things are not going to go well for the president's party. And I would say that probably aren't going to go well. But this is one of the most unusual midterm elections I have covered. I mean, you have to go back to 2002 uh, to see a midterm that went uh, in the direction of the president's party. And that was after 9-11. Um, so the fact that we're still talking about whether the Democrats are going to hold the Senate, um, they're all almost certainly not going to hold the House, but we're talking about how narrow the Republican majority might be in the House. I think that really shows that there is a hangover from the Trump years and that the Republican Party still hasn't necessarily recovered um, from uh, the shadow of Donald Trump. uh, And that and that shadow casts uh, darkly over the center of the electorate. Uh, there are still quite a few people who otherwise might have voted Republican who don't trust the party. Um, and that is keeping us guessing. Uh, I'm not sure what's going to happen in November. Yeah, it's I'm expecting a long night. Jonathan Weissman, New York Times. Thanks for your time. Thanks very much. Bill Watts is senior markets writer for Market Watch. Bill, thanks for being with us. Uh, Glad to be here. All right. So this is all about talking about the economy and inflation. What kind of impact is it having on the markets? Well, inflation has been really the the main driver of markets this year uh, in Basically, the mechanism has been that inflation has been running very hot and persistently hot, and that has forced the Federal Reserve to be very aggressive in raising interest rates in its effort to bring inflation back to its 2% target. And as a result, we have seen uh, yields on government bonds rise sharply. Uh, That has all contributed to a, a steep fall by the stock market um, as people uh, react to those higher borrowing costs, uh, those higher yields also make uh, the valuations of stocks look less attractive to investors. And it also stirs fears that the Fed could be so aggressive that it forces the market in, or forces the economy into a recession, a, a so-called hard landing. And all of those have, have really combined to, to just really beat up on stocks this year. In the last several days, I think I've seen reporting indicating that fewer people think that we're heading toward a recession. Is that accurate or am I just sort of making that up? <laughs> I don't know where I got it from, but... Well, there there is some debate around the, the question of recession. Um, it doesn't seem that we're in one now. And there are some factors out there that, um, you know, make it a, a debatable proposition. Uh, you know, part of that is just the fact that we have a very strong labor market. Uh, unemployment remains quite low. Um, we, we've seen you know, jobs hold up relatively well, um, even as the economy has slowed down. Um, 
so you know there's a question of whether that's the you know the next shoe to drop do we start to see companies begin to uh trim their payrolls as they deal with inflationary pressures um there may be some arguments against that you know for one we've had this labor shortage uh for a long time that was really amplified by the pandemic and so there is sort of this you know saying that you can't fire who you didn't hire um so you know there's a idea that that companies you know maybe didn't bulk up uh you know to the extent that they wanted to and that may also feed a reluctance to cut workers if if they're afraid that when things turn around they'll have a hard time again hiring them back so you know those are those are maybe the arguments some of the arguments against um a recession or or a, a jobs led recession um you know i think the other thing to keep in mind though is that jobs data is uh, backwards looking and it tends to be a lagging indicator so you know you can only have so much confidence uh in those backward looking measures all right perhaps i should have asked this question at the beginning but I guess this is economics 101, which, as I tell my listeners all the time, I didn't do very well in that class, which is why I ended up as a journalist. What is inflation? How do you define it? Sure. Well, inflation is a really a general rise in the prices of goods and services across the economy. Um, you know, I think the way a lot of people define it is is a situation in which there's uh, really too much money chasing too few, too few goods uh, or services as well. So, you know, it's, it really is just you know, people trying to assume and they, they end up, um, you know, driving up the price. And that was, you know, certainly in this episode, we saw elements of it that, that came from both the supply side of the economy and the demand side. On the supply side, we had those bottlenecks that everybody heard about, you know, the supply chain problems, the, the clogged ports, um, you know, the, the shortage of, of truckers and everything else. And some of those things are, are still with us, though a, a lot of those supply chain strains may be uh, showing some signs of easing. But but that certainly contributed to the, to the lack of goods uh, that were available. And, and helped fuel inflation on that side. But on the other side, you also had very strong demand. We saw very strong consumer spending through uh, the early days of the pandemic and and, and uh, beyond. Um, you know, some of that was, you know, spending that was uh, boosted by stimulus checks and, and other things that, that people received during the pandemic. But, uh, uh, you know, really it was on both ends of the, both sides of the equation, uh, both supply and demand, we saw a, a, a lot of uh, ammo there to to keep pushing prices higher, and I think that surprised a lot of policymakers that it that it has proved so durable, and that's why we are where we are today. You're probably not surprised to to hear that inflation, the economy. Uh, it seems to be playing a bigger role in the midterm elections as we get to the finish line on November 8th. You, you're probably not surprised to hear that. Oh, no, absolutely not. I mean, I think, you know, the economy is such an important element in uh, in elections. And, uh, you know, inflation is, is something that uh, hits people in the pocketbook every day. So it's it's really 
I don't think a, a shock to see that uh, as a, as a top issue. Uh, what does history tell you um, in terms of inflation in this kind of economy? Does a change in political leadership usually lead to uh, improved economic conditions, or is it just uh, you just lean on the Fed to, to perhaps slow things down and, and pull the country out of this period of inflation? Yeah, I think in you know in the end, it, it, it you know the heavy lifting um, is usually left to the Federal Reserve. I think if you look back to the last time that we were dealing with persistent and high inflation, which uh, you know took us really began in the late '60s, ran through the '70s, and and was finally um, vanquished in the early 1980s, uh, it, was, uh, it was the Federal Reserve uh, that under Paul Volcker in the early 80s that, that really gets the credit um, for doing it. But they had to do it. They had to take some very draconian actions, push interest rates extremely high, much, much higher than they are today, and uh, basically throw the economy into a, a very ugly recession. We actually saw the worst, what up till then had been the worst post-war recession uh, in the early 1980s. So, you know, but, uh, you know, we'd seen, you know, several changes of administration over the long course of, of that uh that episode, we also saw a Fed that at various times had had tightened, but then had uh, um, you know relinquished uh, you know some of that tightening, and, and we saw sort of a, a cycle that had developed. Um, so it it really took a strong-willed Fed uh, to to break the back of inflation, but at significant economic cost. Bill Watts, senior markets writer for Market Watch. Thanks for your time. My pleasure. The midterm elections have officially begun as a record number of voters are casting early ballots. And already we're hearing complaints of voter intimidation or at least attempts to intimidate voters. CBS Morning's Nate Burleson spoke with CBS chief White House correspondent Nancy Cordes. Huge number of voters across the country have already cast their ballots. Some of them in the Phoenix area say that people with guns and wearing tactical gear approached them at the ballot drop location. Others said they were followed after voting. Arizona is one of many states where Republicans who questioned the fairness of the last election are on the ballot. Nancy Cordes is at the White House tracking the early voting numbers. Nancy. Early voting is underway in 34 states and the District of Columbia. More than seven and a half million people have already voted either in in person or by mail, in some cases, smashing records that were set during the presidential election of 2020. In Georgia, more than 80,000 voters showed up on one day alone, a 159% increase from the same day of early voting four years ago. No line. Just present my ID, they process straight to the machines and out. Similar reports are coming in from key states like North Carolina and Florida. Democrats who typically have an edge in early voting have been urging supporters to get to the polls now. I am worried about the level of uh voter turnout among young people and working people who will be voting Democratic. CBS News has confirmed that behind the scenes, former President Trump has been encouraging GOP lawmakers in Pennsylvania to repeal Act 77, which allows all voters in the state to cast ballots by mail. 
publicly, Republicans hammering President Biden on high inflation. His policies have made our economy worse. We brought in over $4 trillion into the federal government's coffers last year. We spent nearly seven. That is literally what causes inflation. The fight is not about inflation. It's about the cost of living. And if you look at what we have done to bring down the cost of prescription drugs, to bring down the cost of, of energy that has been opposed every step of the way by the Republicans. In Arizona, election officials are concerned about possible voter intimidation in the city of Mesa. Voters say armed individuals dressed in tactical gear set up near a ballot drop box. Last week, voters were allegedly approached and followed. The Justice Department in the past has considered things like videotaping voters, um, taking photographs of voters as they're trying to vote, um, following them uh, as intimidating behaviors. Meantime, a Florida judge has dismissed a case against a man who was arrested by Florida Governor Ron DeSantis's election police unit back in August. This man was one of nearly two dozen people who were issued a voter ID card, but then later arrested and accused of falsely voting as a felon who was not eligible. This case was tossed because the judge said prosecutors didn't have jurisdiction in the case. An appeal is expected, but this could set a precedent for more cases to come. That is America Change Forever for this week. Thanks to Paul Woody Woodhull and District Productive. Don't forget, you can check your local listings to see when ACF airs in your community. For now, I'm Jeff Begays, and that is how America Change Forever. Hi, this is Jill Schlesinger, CBS News business analyst, certified financial planner, and host of the Money Watch podcast. This is the show where your money is not scary and it's not boring. It is a show that's all about you. It's your questions that make it possible for me to provide unconventional and entertaining insights on your money and maybe more importantly, on your life. I'm going to be your financial coach, someone who brings common sense and an insider's perspective on how to manage your money and your emotions. And I promise we are going to have a little bit of fun along the way. Have a question from retirement to career changes to college funding? Just send us an email at askjill at jillonmoney.com. Follow Money Watch wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music or Wondery app. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus.